Hey, everybody. Welcome to The Back Room. I'm Andy Ostroy. But we're also going to place strong protections to stop banks and regulators from trying to debank you from your, you know, your, your political beliefs, what they do. They want to debank you, and we're going to debank. Think of this. They want to take away your rights. They want to take away your country. The things you're doing, all electric cars, give me a break. Well, that was Donald Trump, which begs the question, what the fuck is he talking about? Debanked? What is he talking about? The last week or so, he's literally speaking in tongue. Anyway, very excited for today's show. We have the very awesome Texas Congresswoman Jasmine Crockett back in the back room. We will get to her in a second. But first, thanks for tuning in. We appreciate you listening, and we'd love to hear your comments. So email us at backroomandy at gmail.com and or post on our social media, and we'll read some feedback next time. And if you like the podcast, please follow or subscribe and rate and review, and you'll be notified every time we post a new episode. So we got a bunch of feedback last week on the Gary Gullman conversation, but amazingly, it was all the same. Love him. Pretty much, that's what everyone said. And uh, keep those cards and letters coming, people. Uh, another bit of housekeeping news. If you happen to be in the Hudson Valley next Friday night, uh, January 26th, we will be doing a live taping of the back room. And our special guest, Ruth Ben-Ghiat. She's an expert on fascism and strongmen, and she is a author and a writer and a NYU professor. So it's going to be great. If you just go to our social media, my social media, you'll see promotions and you should RSVP because it's starting to get full. Let's get to the first of our two big things. One of them has lots of consequence, lots of ramifications that could be very critical to how this country is run, and especially in terms of the health and safety of the people who live in it. And this is the case that's before the Supreme Court. It's called Loper Bright Enterprises versus Raimondo. Uh, this is all about regulations, a group of fishermen who are opposing a government fee that they consider unreasonable. Now, it's very complicated and very nuanced. I'm not going to get into all the details. But basically, the party that's fighting this and backing the fishermen is basically the Koch brothers, because this is not just going to be about fisheries and fees, but it's going to have widespread impact on health and safety regulations, environmental, the EPA. I mean, the list of agencies that could be impacted that protect us in so many ways is very, very long. And it's really all about getting rid of agency control, government control of regulation and putting it in the hands of the people who have vested interests, vested interest in not having a lot of regulation. Yeah, for 40 years, the case that they're going to overturn, the Chevron case as it's known, has left deference to the agency to make decisions when there are complex problems, which agencies are expert in. And if that is overturned, it's going to leave it to independent courts all over the country to just do whatever they want. We already know what courts do in various jurisdictions to uh, birth control pills or anything else. And now it'll be the EPA, you know, anything. Who knows what it'll go? And and it's important to note that this is beyond Trump. This has been going on for, like you said, for 40 years where you have the Koch brothers and you have a well-funded, um, very thought-out network to uh, overturn federal agencies. And conservatism used to be a Republican ideal. And look how far we've come. I mean, think about Nixon. Think about the EPA. Mm -hmm. And this is just sad well, it's and because awful. Less regulation equates to more corporate profit, period, end of story. And so the Koch brothers, they're business people, and they don't like regulation. Business people do not like regulation. So it's going to take the power away from the agencies and uh, give it to courts and corporate America. It's going to end what Steve Bannon calls the administrative state, and it's going to reverse decades of precedent. It's going to put profit before people. Yes. I don't know how long it's going to take them to decide this case, but it this is really important and really scary. There's only one possibly good thing that we've heard is that apparently Amy Comey Barrett has asked some questions or made some statements which were not completely favorable to getting rid of the Chevron case. All right, let's get to big thing number two. 
The president of the United States, and I'm not talking about myself, I'm talking about any president, has to have immunity. Because if you take immunity away from the president, so important, you will have, you will have a president that's not going to be able to do anything. Because when he leaves office, the opposing party, president, if it's the opposing party, will indict the president for doing something that should have been good, like Obama dropped missiles and they ended up hitting a kindergarten or a school or the, the apartment house. A lot of people were killed. Well, if that's the case, he's going to end up being indicted when he leaves office. He meant well. The missile went in the wrong direction and other things. And other things. <laughs> that's, the be- that's the best part. Like the missile went there. And other things like grabbing pussies and raping women and, and, and injecting bleach. And insurrections. Stealing insurrections and, 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 and stealing documents. And like, yeah, yeah, it's all the, sa- it's all the same. Well, the big news this week about Trump was his post about total immunity, how he wants absolute immunity, but he, he wants it even if, and these are his words, he crossed the line, which he just basically kind of referred to in that and other things. So he's literally saying, even if he crossed the line, which to me is tantamount to a confession, even if he crossed the line. So what does that mean? That means he's above the law. Right. This is after last week, he said, you know, even if I use SEAL Team 6 to assassinate my opponents. <laughs> Hypothetically speaking. I'm not saying I'm going to do it, but like, should I be prosecuted for this? I mean, the fact that we're even arguing this shit, it's so fucking preposterous. He's just, he, there's no way. I, I guess we're on judicial watch right now waiting for the Supreme Court to rule on the absolute immunity thing. How many pe- How many justices are going to support it? It's not going to be zero. I, I'm betting nine zero. No. Nine zero. No nine zeros no. anymore. No nine zero. Nine zero on immunity. All right. There's I no way. There's disagree. no it's, it's pre- Show me a justice who's going to say, yeah, he, sh- he should be allowed to Clarence kill. Thomas. He should be able to- <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. He should be able to- Alito, sh- maybe. He should be able to stab- Maybe. He, get Gavin Newsom to death and get away with it. Like, I, I mean, come on. It's crazy shit. All right. I'm, again, I, I'm going to disagree and I'm going to put- my money where my mouth is. And I put my mind on my money and my money on my mind. <laughs> Look at you, rap girl. I didn't even know what you're talking about. But it's going to be Clarence I Thomas. I just went like Ari Melber on you. Yeah. Oh, wow. That's why it sounded familiar. Yeah. yeah. So we had Iowa this week. We got New Hampshire on Tuesday. Nikki Haley. I mean, not only does she not know what started the Civil War, but now she said America's never been a racist country. Instead of talking about Trump, She's doubling down on trying to get his base by saying America's never been a racist country. I mean, Nikki Haley, I think, will be irrelevant after South Carolina because she'll lose her own state and whatever blip she gets from New Hampshire will have faded away. I mean, the thing with Trump is that he pretends that he won 2020 and Nikki Haley is like his little mini-me. She pretends as if she came in a close second in Iowa. She's like, that's it? What a great showing. I'm not debating DeSantis now. It's like she just literally is pretending that Trump doesn't exist. It's just this Republican primary season is fucking bonkers. They're bonkers. (laughs) We lost three listeners just now when you said he pretends that he won 2020. They're not going to listen anymore. But that gets to my point, though, is that that's his base and they're bonkers. I I don't get it. I, I just don't. I mean, I get it and I don't get it, but it's like you're running to be president. But I think, Jen, you once said they're running for 28. That's possible, too. Nikki and Haley. cabinet. Nikki yeah. Haley certainly is. Yep. And I'm sure DeSantis will run again, but he's not going to do any better. She actually would have a great shot at 28. So maybe her strategy of not pissing off the base. I don't know, but it just shows her character or lack thereof. America's never been a racist country. Slavery. The civil rights attacking... Black people with fire hoses and German shepherds in the 60s? That, that's in not German who... camps? Are you out of your fucking mind? Well, she's not looking for that segment of the population's vote. But it's just a crazy thing to say. She's looking for the population that thinks that Trump will be running for his third term in 2028. There won't be a third term. It's just crazy talk. That's what it is. It's crazy talk. We have entered a, a phase in this country's history where one, one party is absolutely insane spewing crazy talk with an electorate that is in a cult and the dumbest we've ever seen in history. I mean, 
the dumbing down of society. I mean, again, I say this all the time. There's a reason why Trump says, I love the uneducated. They have figured out the formula to win primaries, to win primaries. Yeah, I mean, it works for Trump in the primaries. He, he just won Iowa by 51%. And, you know, the, the most disturbing thing is that when people were asked if their candidate, which wasn't Trump, was not on the ballot, what would they do? And, and uh, they, a large number said they would vote for Trump. Yeah. Well, the good thing is that a lot of people also say that if he's convicted, it's like tw 10 to 20 points he drops. So if you focus on the probability that he is likely going to be convicted in one or more of his trials this year, well, that's a big thing in the swing states. For him to lose 10 to 20 points, that's it. I mean, that's, that can end up being a landslide for Biden. And it still remains to be seen if he actually loses in 2024. Well, all right. Well, do we have a bet on that or no? I'm not going to bet on that, but I, I, I think we can that... do that. We can bet on it. <laughs> That's one of my predictions, by the way. I know that he'll lose. Yes, yeah. I'm all about the optimism. Yeah, he's just, I'm still saying all these. Too early for me to say. Not going to win. He's not even going to be on the ballot. But anyway. Oh well, that that's crazy talk. Yeah, I know that that, that bet talk. you'll take, right? <laughs> oh, I'll get. Where's the money on that? <laughs> Put up or shut up, Australia. <laughs> uh, the E. Jean Carroll rape and defamation trial in New York. Uh, he had a little bit of an outburst this week. The judge had to uh, reprimand him, tell him to shut the fuck up or he's basically going to be thrown out. The guy just has no respect. So disrespectful, so disruptive, so defiant. And he knows he can get away with it. Because the judge is in a, in a damned if you do, damned if you don't place. But if he continues, I guess something might happen. But it's again, it's just Trump's secret sauce is that just do a lot of shit, break a lot of laws, break a lot of rules, just be loud and defiant everywhere. And there's too much shit flying at them. They, they can't stop me. He's really the true maverick. He is. <laughs> I mean, he, he knows. He knows the media covers him when he goes to court. And he's not in the news otherwise. So when he goes and does his outburst, I mean, every single news channel, every single cable news network, every single newspaper covered that story. And his base loves it. He's... He's not taking any shit from the judge. But even his future wife, Elena, Elena Haba, 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 Haba. <laughs> yes. uh, she tells the judge, I don't like the way you're talking to me. Girl, sit your ass down. Like, who talks to a judge that way? A parking attendant lawyer. That's what her background is. All right, let's get to our winners and losers. My loser, House Republicans for racing to charge the Homeland Security Secretary without his in-person testimony or evidence of impeachable offenses. My winner, U.S. citizens. Congress clears stopgap spending bill for Biden, moving to avert a government shutdown. My winner, I'm going to go a little local, this one. Uh, Los Angeles County Superior Court Judge Curtis Kinn, who ruled that Beverly Hills cannot issue another building permit until they actually build some affordable housing. My loser, Elena Haba, who I, I'm just going to say the loser lawyer of the year. I mean, she kind of got stuck in a bad position because Takapino quit the night before and she had to represent Trump all by herself. And she doesn't really have uh, much legal experience. And so if you Google her, one of the first things that comes up in Google is, does she have a law degree? Mm -hmm. My winners, Senators John Thune, Lindsey Graham, Mitch McConnell, Tom Tillis, and others who warned the Republican House Crazy Caucus that the bipartisan border deal on the table is the best in a generation and that they need to pass it because they ain't going to get one better, even if they control Congress next year. My loser, Nikki Haley. Oh, my God, Nikki. Nikki. Nikki, stop it. Stop it, Nikki. All right, which brings us to our weekly rant. I am so... Fucking tired of Trump. So sick of his incessant whining and complaining. Exhausted by his nonstop attempts to subvert the rule of law, violate the Constitution, and undermine and destroy our very democracy. He's a sociopath, a monster, and a dangerous threat to our general safety and well-being. It's astounding that we're still dealing with him and his relentless bullshit. That he once again is a nose hair away from the Oval Office where this time he's likely to burn America to the ground. He's like a fucking cancer that's ravaging the nation and everything it stands for. He's turned the country on its head, destroying so many norms, boundaries, and institutions. 
He's unleashed a torrent of anger, hatred, anti-Semitism, racism, and white nationalism. And he single-handedly transformed the Republican Party from one that claimed to be the party of faith, law and order, national security, and patriotism, into one that engages in the flagrant breaking of laws, the beating of cops, the alienation of our allies, and the enabling of our enemies, and the support for a democracy-raping, dictator-wannabe sociopath. So I try to focus on the big picture, to keep my eye on the prize, to filter out Trump's noise. Because I truly do believe it's all just noise. Trump notoriously tries his cases in the court of public opinion, but it's been the court of law where he's been smacked down consistently since 2020. More than 60 cases, a ton of motions, several appeals, and a fuckload of losses. And now, with four indictments on 91 felony counts, it appears likely that the law is finally catching up to him, that he is not Teflon or absolutely immune from prosecution, as he claims, that he is not above the law. So he will continue to bitch and moan and whine nonstop about how much of a poor little victim he is, how unfairly he's being treated, how it's all rigged, a witch hunt, a big, fat, all-encompassing conspiracy to take him down. He'll continue to suck the oxygen out of the entire nation, and we'll have to keep hearing it, seeing it, and be subjected to his sociopathic rants, his bullying, and his relentless attacks on our democracy until his corrupt ass is finally convicted and either thrown in jail or forced by the courts and prosecutors to shut the fuck up because he's copped a plea and must slink under a rock until he heads to his Mar-a-Lago in the sky. It's time for Congresswoman Jasmine Crockett. She's an attorney, former member of the Texas House of Representatives, and currently serving as the U.S. Representative for Texas's 30th Congressional District, which covers much of the city of Dallas and parts of Dallas and Tarrant counties. She is a member of the House Oversight and Agriculture Committees. Congresswoman, welcome back into the back room. Thank you so much. So the first thing I want to mention is that you are on fire. You are becoming a real important, and I have to stress the word important, sensation in terms of going viral and becoming such a strong, unapologetic, justifiably stinging voice in the house the posts that you make the speeches that you give you infusing facts with data and humor and just absolute total badassery uh so uh <laughs> you're you're you've got quite a fan base out there myself included um so keep up <laughs> keep up the good work because i know you're pissing the shit out of a lot of people on the other side of the aisle who need to be pissed <laughs> off reminded of just how hypocritical and shameless they are so I wanted to start off by talking about Texas. Texas has just been in the news so much. Mm. Um, like, what is going on in that state of yours? <laughs> oh, my gosh. It's a shit show. I mean, and it's it's ran by, you know, Abbott and his followers, right? Mm -hmm. He has his own mini cult. Um, because there's really no justification for why he should be our governor right now. When you think about the fact as we're dealing with a winter vortex in so many places throughout the country right now, but if people recall, we had people die in the state of Texas um, mm -hmm. because of our electrical grid. And it was a failure of leadership as it relates to Abbott and the Republicans and their refusal to be a part of the national grid in addition to refusing to make sure that there's any types of regulations on those that are on the grid, in the Texas grid. Like, it's just a colossal crazy thing, right? And mm -hmm. somehow, even after people were freezing to death, they decided that it made sense to bring him back. That's not talking about the abortion ban where we've got women that are, I'm sure, dying. And we hear the stories of those that have almost died as we approach the Roe v. Wade uh, anniversary. You know, it's it's like... Okay, forget that. Just think about the fact that the winter vortex was ready and willing to kill anybody. Think about his mishandling of COVID. Um, it was killing plenty of Texans as well. And and he ends up being rewarded. And, mm -hmm. and I don't know what he has to show for it. Um, and so now, you know, we've got this migrant situation mm -hmm. where somehow he's seen as a champion and knows what to do, but people forget that when he decided he was gonna stop all the trucks that were coming through the border, because clearly there was bad stuff happening, 
We had migrants that died. We had a truckload of folk that ended up dying uh, when he was doing this. We also had, we lost billions of dollars because we had produce. Because believe it or not, everything isn't grown in Texas. We do give some of our produce from other places. We, we lost billions of dollars because of the stunt. And, and, and then we've lost billions of dollars as it relates to Operation Lone Star as well, where he had initially decided, we're just gonna arrest people for criminal trespass. And he's just wasted money because he threw them into prisons and the prison condition standards are lower than what they are for pretrial. So we were having to spend hundreds of thousands of dollars a month on generators to put air conditioning into prisons because for whatever reason, Texas law says, once you've been found guilty, we don't care about air conditioning and you can suffer and die. That's, mm-hmm. that's just what our law is. I mean, it's just, it's crazy on top of crazy. And I need someone to explain to me why it made sense to send him back into the governor's mansion, besides the fact that he had an R in front of his name. Well, it's Texas is a microcosm of the of America at large. You know, you, you see this same thing happening in the Republican Party on a national level. You, you see the fealty, the continued fealty to Donald Trump, who is the worst, most corrupt, most awful human being who, who does not serve his constituents' best interests. And yet, He's their guy again. I mean, it, it's yeah. the same thing. In Texas, you have the abortion bill. You have the immigration bill. Now you have this standoff. So let's start with the abortion bill. How cruel is this thing? I mean, it's, it's harmful. Like, you talk about people are dying in Texas. Like, you know, Kate Cox had to go to New Mexico to get an abortion. But it's just sort of a fascinating statistic that there was 50,000 abortions in Texas in 2022 and 40 last year went from 50,000 to 40. That's crazy. And this is a health issue. How do the women of Texas who may not have the resources that a Kate Cox has, you know, the options that she has, how do women of Texas stay healthy, stay alive under this kind of draconian law? You know, I appreciate Kate Cox for so many reasons. Number one, being willing to publicly um, share something that historically would be a very private situation. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's technically what Roe v. Wade is about. It's a it's about our right to privacy. Um, and so here it is. She says, this is my state. This is my home. These are the crazy laws that they came up with. But surely they built in this very vague, exception for emergency situation but how is it defined Mm -hmm. right and i know that people get tired of lawyers and they get tired of probably lawmakers sometimes when they have you know and here is section a of section one of section you know but we've got to have these definitions right because you're writing laws in a state that has 30 million people and so you have to be able to write laws that can be easily understood for those that have to follow them. And when it's not easily understood, which is the name of the game for the Republicans is make it as muddy as possible so that there is mass confusion, then you have to go to the courts and you have to have the courts interpret what the legislative intent was. What did it mean to have an emergency situation? And so she goes to the courts instead of just leaving the state initially, she wants to make sure that this is defined not just for her, but for those women that can't afford to leave the state, those mm-hmm. women that will be stuck, who literally may lose their life and or lose their ability to have a child, their future fertility. And so she goes through the court system and the trial level is right there with her. There's testimony from our doctors explaining why they believe this is an emergency that should meet the definition of what has been laid out in the legislation and then of course, the attorney general, the multi-indicted, the multi-felony indicted, to be clear, uh, attorney general for the state of Texas, Kim Paxton, wants to say, hey, you know what? We don't care what the court said. That sounds like the right thing to do, right? Like when you disagree with the court, you Mm -hmm. just ignore it. 
He tells them, we don't care what the court said. We don't care what that court order says. If you do anything to help this woman who is in need, then we will arrest you. That's what we will do. And you will face up to life in prison if you help her in any way, even though there's a court order, which, of course, scared the dickens out of those healthcare providers. Mm -hmm. And he just did this long enough to buy time for our Supreme Court to deliver the final blow and say, no, it's okay. That's that's what happened. And so, you know, thank you to Kate, because she was not just doing something to be self-serving. She was doing something in which she was trying to look out for, as you mentioned, those that are socially, um, economically less advantaged than she is. And truly, Kate was trying to do the thing that our elected officials should be trying to do, which she was trying to help and do her part to save lives. Mm -hmm. And the real irony is that Kate is a mother already. She wants to be a mother to a third child. All she was trying to do was just preserve her ability to to become pregnant again. It's a real health issue. And the fact that there is an exception, which ultimately has to be fought in a courtroom to be proven that's what's scaring the shit out of doctors and that's why you went from you know 50,000 to virtually zero abortions last year in Texas which is just it's unfathomable and it's unconscionable and this kind of mentality is spreading across the country there's so many other states but I think ultimately it's why you will probably be in the majority party in January 25 so this is just not a winning strategy for them, but but yet they just can't seem to help themselves, can they? I mean, it's a primary winning strategy, right? Like it's it's not a general election, right. general America winning strategy. But you know, unfortunately, when it comes to these very gerrymandered lines, what you have is Republicans doing everything that they can to pander further and further to the right and be more and more extreme. Because when they decide to pick their person, they're going to pick. The people that are going to pick their person are the the most activated folk, and they tend to be the most radical um, conservatives that you can find. And that's where we're ending up with the skew, um, where we have policies that are not representative of who we are as a people. I mean, like when you mentioned the deep red states, you know, Ohio, I get that Ohio supposedly used to be about, you know, it flips, but no, it feels deep red to me. But Ohio went through a lot to push back and get this. And this upcoming November, we hope that Florida is successful as much as um, Ron DeSantis does not want them to have this ballot measure. So we'll see what happens. Mm -hmm. Uh, But they're collecting their signatures. We know that Arizona is also going to have it on the ballot. And Mm -hmm. I think that for sure for Arizona, that will guarantee for us that Ruben Gallego will become the senator um, in Arizona. That in combination with uh, the fact that this ballot issue will be on the ballot. Um, You know, unfortunately, Texas doesn't give us the ability to do ballot initiatives, of course, um, because I would imagine that number one, marijuana would be fully legalized in a Mm -hmm. recreational way, um, as well as I believe that we would have access to abortions even in Texas. And that's why they won't. And honestly, um, you know, I double dog dare them to put it on our constitutional um, um, uh, ballot by basically it requires two thirds of the House to vote to send it to the people and prove that this is not what Texas wants. But Mm -hmm. they won't vote to send it to the people. They won't do that. But, you know, I double dog dare them if they believe that this is really the will of the people because they know that it is. Mm. And and what's what's even crazier is that Roe v. Wade is a Texas case. It was initially Texas women that made sure that the rest of the country could enjoy the right to privacy um, in making these very personal decisions. And then it was Texas that led the way in making sure that we roll back the tide on that by passing their very draconian law that had a trigger for if Roe v. Wade is overturned, it will now be criminal and, Mm -hmm. um, you know, doctors and whoever assisted could face up to life in prison. 
Yeah, I think you're 100% right. If there was a ballot measure in Texas, it, it would be successful. And, and in addition to Arizona and Florida, there's also Missouri, Oklahoma, Arkansas, South Dakota, Iowa, Nevada, Colorado, Pennsylvania are also looking at ballot measures. But in the bigger picture, too, it's like you see what happened in Wisconsin with Janet Protasiewicz winning the open Supreme Court seat, which flipped control of the yeah. House to Democrats purely on this issue. It's like they just don't make the connection between like what you're saying, which is a great primary, you know, rile up the base kind of issue, but just a disaster for them at the ballot box in the general election. Uh, the immigration bill, talk about cruelty. Um, you know, you, you have a surge at the border of about 2.6 million migrants, but like 90% of them are apprehended by border control. There's this perception that people are flooding over the border and just swarming America. The actual non-apprehended migrants, it, statistics are down from the prior year. So it's not like there's this porous border that, you know, migrants are invading America. So it's just, it's another, you know, it's just more red meat to the to the base. And now there's this standoff between the Biden administration, DHS, and uh, Texas. Where is this going? How does this get to a sane place? You know, it's, it's interesting because um, words have meaning. And I think that one of the reasons we're starting to see the American people turn against migrants is because they've been described as invaders, mm -hmm. right? And when you think of what an invasion looks like, it looks like Hamas into Israel. Right. That's an invasion. And so when you say these things, um, you know, we're being invaded, it makes people scared. And the average person has never been to the border and the average person in America ain't going to the border. I mean, these are just the facts. And so here it is, the people that we trust, they're using this language. So this has to be what's happening. We're being invaded. We're being overrun. And, you know, a little education goes a long way. Number one, um, federal law says that you can present yourself for asylum at mm -hmm. any port of entry, at any port of entry, anywhere, all right? So to be clear, we have migrants that come through other ports of entry, right? Whether we're talking about sea or air, like we have people that are coming through to try to present themselves um, for asylum cases. But every time we think about immigration, all we think about is the Texas border, and they see the pictures of people, but they don't understand that these aren't people, like people don't even understand the difference between illegal and legal. Like if you're coming and you're going to the authorities, which is why these people are quote unquote captured, mm -hmm. right? Like it's, they're following the rules. Mm -hmm. That's what you're supposed to do is present yourself. And then the biggest problems that we have is that there aren't enough caseworkers who can get through these cases, um, and make sure that they're worked up, make sure that they're getting into the court system, making sure that we have enough immigration lawyers, making sure we have enough immigration judges to make these decisions in a timely fashion. Because if someone doesn't qualify for asylum under our law, then we are supposed to say, hey, you gotta go, right? But we're not doing that because we've got arguments from say our baby speaker, right? Who still has milk, it, anyway, <laughs> not gonna go there. But nevertheless, from our baby speaker, <laughs> who literally is like, no, 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 they don't need more money. I'm like, well, well, let's just be very plain about this, sir. You're claiming that we have more migrants crossing than we've ever had. And there's not been an increase in personnel. Mm -hmm. So why is it that they wouldn't need more money? Like, this is just common sense, right? Like, common sense tells you this. But we also know that the Republicans, along with our speaker, have said the quiet part out loud and made it very clear. They have no intentions of trying to resolve this issue or really any other issue, right? Because this has been the most unproductive um, Congress in modern day history. We've not passed bills. This isn't an opinion. This is something that people can Google and find the facts and recognize that there's only been less than 30 bills that have been signed into law, which is normally not where we are. At this time, we still haven't passed a budget. Mm -hmm. We are going to be six months behind, which a budget is only for a year. So literally now it's like figure out the budget for six months, guys. That's all you got to do, right? Um, they're not really getting anything done. But they have made it clear that their leader, 
Donald Trump, forget separation of powers, forget the fact that this guy is not supposed to have any power because he's not elected to anything right now. He is dead. Do not fix it because mm -hmm. I don't want for Biden to be able to say that he did anything. Like, so, so is this a problem or is it not a problem? Republicans just harp all the time on the rhetoric of border invasion, 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 border crisis, border crisis, got to fix the border. And they're going to try not to do anything because certainly Trump is telling them not to and he doesn't want to help Biden. But at the same time, they want to impeach Homeland Security Secretary Mayorkas over the border. So it's like, well, is this a problem or is it not a problem? Because if it is the problem you say it is, then it shouldn't matter what Trump says. It shouldn't matter whether you help Biden or don't help Biden. If you're looking out for America, because this is a real crisis, then pass the bill, yeah. you know? Yeah, no, but it, first of all, uh, you'll end up having the likes of Chip Roy making it clear that they don't know what they're going to run on now. I mean, the only thing that they're running on is the border right now because they're wrong about everything else. I mean, like, I mean, historically, the American people, for whatever reason, have trusted Republicans when it came to the economy. But honestly, what are you going to say? I mean, like, if somebody decides to check the facts, they're going to show that, like, under President Biden, it has been an amazing economic recovery. And... Mm -hmm. And I get that not everybody feels it right now because it does take time. What you're saying right now is so important. Is there ever been a moment in history in an economy where everyone is doing great? Has that ever happened? No. No. So this this no. rhetoric about like, oh, but there's some people that, like, yeah, I get that. I mean, I grew up in a blue collar family. My father was a taxi driver. But if the argument is the economy's not doing well because there are people who are actually not doing well in it. That's a really weak, I mean, if you look at every leading economic indicator, every metric, this economy is the greatest economy we've had in decades. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that that's the thing. But, you know, but Democrats definitely have to be cognizant of, of how we, we talk about it, because it, when people vote, they vote on how they feel. Mm -hmm. They're not voting on what you tell them. They're voting on how they feel, what they see. Right. Which is which is why the women that are telling their stories as it relates to abortion and their nightmares, why it matters. Mm -hmm. It's not about me telling the story. It's right. about them telling their stories, right? And we need to do the same thing even on the economic recovery. We need to find the good surrogates, the real people that can say, hey, this is where I was and this is where I am now, right? Because the numbers do show we're at a record low as it relates to black unemployment, right? Mm -hmm. We're at you know, record and historic lows right now. And, and, and it's like we're there and we can look across the globe and recognize that not everybody has been able to recover so well from COVID-19 and all the drama that it brought, along with the fact that, honestly, you know, the, the, you know, I really want the business community to come out. But we had the Texas Business Council come and talk to us, a bipartisan group of Democrats, and behind closed doors, we were all pretty much in agreement, interestingly enough. And it just so happened that what I say behind closed doors doesn't change what I say publicly, right? So mm -hmm. that means that we're right, right? But the Texas Business Council is like, listen, we have a ton of jobs that we need to fill. Mm -hmm. Like, we need y'all to help us on making sure that those that qualify, that they are able to work. And for people that are complaining about us balancing a budget and how we're in a deficit, I do want people to understand the tax cuts that Trump delivered, which I'm glad that Nikki Haley has decided to say something about Trump because for the longest, I didn't think that they were running against him. But it's true. He is the one that single-handedly added more debt in his one term mm -hmm. than any Democrat. Mm -hmm. Like, this is what he did by saying, hey, rich friends, I'm going to make sure that you basically have to pay no taxes you're not going to pay your fair share. And we're still stuck with those tax cuts, I think, until 2025. And then that's when we can finally, hopefully, number one, take back the House. Number two, hold on to the Senate. Number three, have a Democratic president that will make sure that we roll back those tax cuts. We have the wealthy pay their share. Um, but this isn't a, a, a team of serious people. What they do is they lie and they pander to people that don't know better. 
because as I was looking at the Iowa returns, they were always breaking down, you know, the level of education and things like that. And it, it's it to me, it is so sinister to lie to people that may not just have the benefit of sitting down and watching and listening and reading politics all the time because they're trying to keep a roof over their head. And so you lie to them and you rile them mm -hmm, up. Mm -hmm. And then basically they become your very victims. They're the ones that you go after almost immediately. As we're talking about, you know, the fact that we live in this country, which it, it is dumbfounding to me that people are still struggling with hunger in this country. Mm -hmm. You decide to say things like, no, we want to cut SNAP benefits. Mm -hmm. Well, you know who's using SNAP more than anybody else? It's rural America. Mm -hmm. But every time I check, Rural America keeps voting for the people that's trying to basically pull the food out of their mouths. Like, make it make sense, well, right? Well, tr Trump goes and to so Iowa and talks about farmers, and he's the one that started a trade war with China. That, that who did that impact? Farmers, right? Yeah, so, our farmers. I mean, what you're saying is is so true because if people just Googled Republican versus Democratic administrations over the last 30, 40 years. It's always the Republicans that jack up the debt and deficits and the Democrats that bring mm -hmm. it down. Yet there's this myth that the, the GOP is the party of fiscal responsibility. And if you, you know, Trump's lasting legacy, his greatest legacy is that what he's taught the Republican Party and Republican politicians is you could just outright lie and no one's going to care. No one's going to look it up. They're going to believe what you say because they're full of hate or racism or whatever that drives them. And you're just going to feed right into that. And that's how you coast through. Um, the other thing I want to ask you about about Texas is uh, yesterday there was this brutal report that came out. The Department of Justice issued its findings on the Uvalde school shooting and uh, mm -hmm. horrible. I mean... It's unfathomable to me that there may not be any criminal charges against anybody from the police chiefs mm -hmm. to the... I, I will tell you that what is disturbing with, a re with or without the report is what I witnessed on that day. Yuvalde mm -hmm. um, was on the same day as my primary runoff to uh, become the congresswoman. And it was an ugly, ugly, ugly race. Mm -hmm. So ugly. Um, and so here it is. I'm out at the polls because I like to see the people, talk to the people, greet the people. And, you know, for the most part, we knew that we had this thing in the bag. But I, I think that it's important that people see you show up and that you care um, and that you are fighting to earn their support. And I got a text from uh, a producer at MSNBC. And it was like, oh, can we have you on at six o'clock? And I was like, well, the polls close at seven. I mean, I was like, why are y'all covering my race? You know, like we all know where mm -hmm. this is going. And so they were like, no, about the shooting. And I was like, what shooting? And so it was a, it was a producer that told me about the shooting. And I, I then tuned in, right? Like, so I jump in my car and I tune in to find out what's going on. And in those moments, knowing that law enforcement did not move and, and, and then it's, the, the picture became even clearer after the fact because in the midst of all the chaos, you didn't know if there was multiple shooters, you didn't know what was going on. You know, it's always a chaotic thing, right? And uh, to find out that you had tons of law enforcement there and no one moved to save babies, mm. right? And I'm sure half of these guys probably are the same guys that are like, oh yeah, give them all guns, right? Right. But you guys are afraid of these weapons of mass destruction. You are afraid. And you, you tout this rhetoric of, well, for every bad guy with a gun, we need a good guy with a gun. Well, it doesn't matter if the good guy won't do the good. <laughs> right. And so, you know, in, 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 the, in the idea that the good untrained guy is somehow better than the trained good guys, it's just mind boggling. And I will say that there were a number of law enforcement agencies that came out because I don't want to disparage all of them. I don't believe Uvalde was on that list, but there were a number of law enforcement agencies right before this because we passed open care, or they passed open carry when I was in the house, the session before this. So we saw a stark rise in gun violence after they passed this open carry bill said, no, we don't need people to have licenses anymore. That's too cumbersome, too difficult. All this crazy nonsense that they argued 
and there's been an increase in gun violence yeah. since that happened, and they don't want to do anything about it. And then to have just this massacre of these children and for them to still sit there and think that it makes sense to make these crazy arguments when they themselves were afraid. And, you know, at a very minimum, I would say it was a dereliction of duty from what I witnessed with my own two eyes mm. um, to allow this untrained 18-year-old who wasn't even six feet tall um, to go through and to just kill these children and they not even tried. They waited until it stopped. It's hard to fathom that I think it was 77 minutes that passed that, where the kids were yeah. getting slaughtered. I mean, it's just, it's really unfathomable, which is why I, I just, I, I can't imagine that there's not criminal prosecution coming. Uh, but I want to segue to something else where you referred to hypocrisy. In one of my favorite moments was when you responded to Nancy Mace uh, and her white privilege comment about Hunter Biden. Uh, <laughs> first of all, referring to your, quote, your little leader about Trump. Oh my God, like that's, I mean, if I didn't like you before that, I love you now. But I think that that's, that resonated with a lot of people. There were a lot of people sitting home going, oh my God, that's awesome. Little leader. Um, because he's just such a, he is such a little leader. I don't care how tall he is. He's a little leader. Um, but you talked about the January 6th and you talked about you guys were running for your lives. All of you were running for your lives. And it's, just, it's the same kind of thing. You know, the point you made about Uvalde is just like when push comes to shove, these people are just hypocrites. They're just all hypocrites. They talk tough now about J6, hostages mm -hmm. and patriots, blah, blah, blah. But we have that image of Josh Hawley running for his life, right? And mm -hmm. the rest of them too. Um, why, I mean, maybe this is just a rhetorical question rooted in, in naivete, but why do they seemingly just not give a shit about the important things in this country? Because they're, they're not in office, in my opinion, for the right reasons. Mm. They're in office to enrich themselves, AKA Trump and his family. Mm -hmm. They're in office because, um, they've been losers their whole lives and now they feel like they're not AKA Bobert. Um, right. Like, I mean, it's people that are seeking to become relevant versus people that are truly moved by the people themselves. Right. Like, I mean, for me, it is, it, you know, I would tell people when I was running, I'm like, you guys, I need you to understand that this is truly a sacrifice. Like I will take a pay cut and I will have less time to myself. I, like it's sacrifice across the board. But I'm like, there have to be people that are willing to step up and do the right thing to save not only you, but this country. And so I think that's what you're seeing right now is you're seeing this battle between um, these caricatures that we have on one side. And then you see this fight to really convince the American people, which unfortunately we usually aren't able to do it in some quick phrase that only takes five seconds to say. Um, because we really want people to understand. We really want to educate people. We really want them to know like why it matters for them to show up and vote. We want them to know who is really on their side, who is making sure that your hospitals aren't closing in rural America, who is making sure that you can keep food on your table, who is making sure that there are jobs that are going to be available for you to work, who is going to make sure that these unions have the rights that they need to organize so that they can fight for better wages, living wages, and the pay that they deserve. Like, it's only one team that's doing the, the work for the working class. So honestly, there's more working class folk in this country than not. And it is, it is just dumbfounding to me why we struggle so hard to get the message across that there's only one team that's fighting for you. Mm. The other team is, is trying to take everything away. And whether you're working class or not, there's only one team that truly believes in freedom and understands what patriotism looks like. The other team doesn't. They're taking all of our freedoms away. And whether you believe in abortion or not, you should be fearful that if they can take our right to privacy away, just know that there's some right to privacy that you care about that the Roe v. Wade opinion will be used to expound upon so that they can take your right to privacy away. Mm -hmm. Like it, it has to be 
that the coalition starts to coalesce around the fact that it's not a matter of whether or not I agree or disagree. What we all should agree upon is that people should have their basic rights and their basic freedoms. And one team is doing everything that they can day by day, state by state to tear those freedoms down. And that's exactly what people need to focus on because, you know, the election day is the one day of the year where the billionaire and the janitor have the same exact power. And if more people understood that, you know, women in Texas wouldn't have to go to New Mexico to get abortions. Um, we'll end on that note. Actually, the last thing I want to say to you is I, I saw you tweet that you're looking for names for a potential podcast that you may start. <laughs> but I, I've got a better, so- I got a more efficient solution for you. Why not just come on once in a while and co-host the back room? <laughs> <laughs> co-host the back room. Why recreate the wheel, right? <laughs> Yes, that that sounds like an amazing offer. I do think we came up with a name though. I oh, do. Okay. So we'll Can you can we'll you say see what it is? We can roll this out. No, no. All right. No. All right. No, well, we'll we'll, probably, we'll anxiously I'll await it. change it 50 more times. <laughs> <laughs> well, good luck with that. My offer stands. Thanks for coming back on and uh good luck and keep fighting the good fight. Thank you. Have a good one. You too. Take care. Bye. This episode of The Back Room was edited and produced by me, Andy Ostroy. It was co-edited and co-produced by Maddie Rosenberg and co-produced by Jen Hamoud. Our theme song was composed by Andrew Hollander, and our logo was designed by Cricket Langell. And special thanks to Patricia Wind. Please take a moment to rate and review the podcast, and also follow or subscribe. Until next time, keep your eyes on Washington, Hollywood, and your own backyards, and have a great week. Music